0: This is Mickey Willardin. you are listening to Wikipedia and welcome to today's episode. Hope you're having a great week. This week I have the opportunity to speak to Melanie Wales. She is a yoga teacher, fitness coach, massage therapist, and urban farmer actually and we discuss all about her transformation over the last six years that has resulted in a weight loss of 145 pounds now i came across mel over on instagram as we were using the same nutrition app and one link just leads you to another and over the last couple of years i have just been stunned by her progress her consistency and her willingness to share those tools that have really helped her in her journey so that's what we talk about today in our podcast those nutrition and training tools that helped her how important goal setting and mindset was for her in her ongoing journey where the challenges lay and how she helps others transform themselves too she is certainly generous with her information and I've learned a lot from Mel just by following her as we do as practitioners. We never position ourselves as we are the experts and the sort of general population are potential clients or people who don't know as much. Mel has such a wealth of information that she has developed over her years as we all do, and she's really integrated the two into an approach that's really worked for her and works for a host of the people that she works with. Mel shares a lot of this today, but she also shares all of this over on Instagram on a weekly basis, and you can see her progress there. She has a website where you can touch base with her for coaching inquiries, virtual yoga classes, and also to purchase her cookbook, which I really love. And she shares a lot of these recipes over on Instagram as well. So Mel can be found on Instagram and at her website, melaniewales-sustainableliving.com, and we've got links to both of those in the show notes. Just before you kick on and listen to this super interesting conversation that I have with Mel, just a reminder that if you really enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on your favourite podcast app, leave us a five-star review. That will allow interviews like today's one with Mel reach more people who would really benefit from the types of tools that she is going to share. In addition, if you feel like being able to contribute a little bit more, why don't you join my recipe access portal where for $12 a month you get recipe library that has over 800 recipes updated weekly, you get my weekly emails. You get weekly forums with me over on Facebook, and the opportunity to pick my brain about anything nutrition-related through our online messaging service. However, I just love that you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in, and enjoy the conversation that I have with Melanie Wales. I love following you on Instagram. I just get so inspired by what you do, by the training that you do, by the the way that you talk about your habits and your, you know, what motivates you. But also, you keep it really real, and so that's why I wanted to have the opportunity to chat to you about about your journey because I feel like people have so much to learn from people like you, who have really transformed themselves. It's amazing.
1: Well, thank you so much. I mean, this opportunity means so much and it's just so kind of you to think of, you know, to think to ask me to share about this. And I'm kind of an introverted person in life. I mean, I'm very comfortable public speaking and being in person with people because that's what I've done for years. But as far as on social media, it's such a different Ball game to put yourself out there in this way. And a lot of people are scared to do it, but you know, for me, part of it is it just breaks my heart to see so many people struggling um, in ways that I used to struggle. And then two, I want people to see what's possible. And yeah. so that's why I feel compelled to like share, even though it can be really difficult sometimes to put yourself out there in that way. So I'm glad that it's like translating through to people. Cause you just never know how people will take what you're putting out there. So I, I'm excited to chat with you more and talk to you about that. So thank you.
0: That's awesome. Because one, that was one of my questions was going to be what sort of drove you to take your journey public. And I know that you, we see it a lot, you know, like there's, there's loads of sort of like transformation stories and, and, People put their put up what they do in in the way that you do, and I just have always wondered what motivates someone to to do that. And as you've just said, like you must see so many people struggling um, mm-hmm. and doing it in ways which don't or are not always going to translate to being successful. And I think that's that's what I see is so different from what you put out there is that you quite clearly you've been successful in your journey to date, but it's mm-hmm. this,
1: it's. Is it a lifelong thing, Mel? Like, is that how you sort of view this? It's a lifelong thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's taken a long time to get to the place where I am now. And there's mm. been so many ups and downs along that, you know, along the journey to get here. I mm. kind of feel like my entire life has led up to me being able to be where I am now. Because yeah. there's been so many struggles and I've done so many things even from childhood. So, yeah. So, I'm yeah about that more yeah Yeah. can we actually because i'd really love to understand
0: more about your background and obviously from the social media aspect and i will put links to your social media um, and and how people can find you in the show notes but i often see the picture of you from was it 2016 is the one that you use as your comparison photo to where you are now and am i right in thinking there's 145 pounds difference yeah yeah. So, so can you talk to me about before that, what led you to that point? Was it a, is it a childhood thing? Talk to me about your background, Mel.
1: Yeah. So do you want me to, are we like officially starting? Cause we I know are to- we are on. <laughs> okay. I figured we were, but just want to make sure. So as far as my background prior to the photo that I show in 2016, that photo was taken just a few weeks after my daughter was born and I had a very high risk pregnancy um, mm-hmm. where I had to spend most of the time on bed rest and I ended up with preeclampsia. And um, I had to deliver her as a premature baby at three and a half pounds. Um, mm-hmm. And that was for, she did really well. She was very healthy, even being born at three and a half pounds. She did have to stay in the NICU. Um, I had to deliver her for my own health and well being because with preeclampsia, um, it's like your body is just not doing. Doing well with the pregnancy. And so you have to end the pregnancy in order for your body to regain its health again. And I was not responding well to the medications they were giving me in the hospital. Um, and I had to be in the hospital, you know, fully monitored for a few weeks prior to giving birth to her. Um, and throughout my entire pregnancy, it was just very rough. I had to, I just was nauseous a hundred percent of the time. You know, the feeling you have when you're just about to get sick. And you just kind of Mm. feel that underlying feeling of just unwellness, but you can't quite put your finger on it. And then even other people would be like, Oh, just buck up. It's fine. Just do a little bit at a time. You'll be fine. But I just always had that sense of like unwellness where I just had no energy. I was nauseous all the time. Um, and I knew that the way that I was feeling just wasn't right. But there was Mm. nothing that was quantifiable when I would go to the doctor where they would say this is something that's going on until finally um, I went to the doctor and they're like, you're actually not leaving the hospital. We're admitting you right now. Wow. Um, So it was a very, very scary time. And during my pregnancy, I gained about 90 pounds. So Mm. um, in a very, very rapid time, part of it was, I think, because of the nausea eating is what took away the nausea as well as prior to being pregnant, though, always a curvier person, a little bit on the heavier side, but not extremely heavy. I was very active. So prior to pregnancy, I was used to just living a very active lifestyle. And so going from living an active lifestyle to pretty much bed rest was a totally different thing on top of the nausea and then eating to help with the nausea. It all kind of you know, spiraled into excessive weight gain beyond mm. anything that I had ever experienced before. Mm. Um, so that was kind of my pregnancy. And so the photo that I show is me just getting home from the NICU. My daughter had been in there for a few weeks before they gave us the go-ahead that she could come home. And she came home at three pounds, 15 ounces, which for people across, you know, not in the U S that's about two kgs. It's under two kgs is how much my daughter, um, weighed when we arrived home. So I, here I am in this body that's so much heavier than I'd ever experienced before. I have a premature baby to take care of. Um, my husband was going through some trials with work and some stress on top of that as well. And so it's just, we came home and we are just in the thick of it. And prior yeah. to having a daughter, I had always taken, you know, done some nannying, been around kids, lived my whole life, even like helping with little babies. But you know, life always throws at you this next challenge. So I I got to come home with a premature baby, which I had no idea how to handle. Yeah, And so that was a really hard period of my life. Um, But it's what has also spiraled into what I've been able to accomplish now. Because during that time, I was not able to breastfeed her normally because she was still too small. Because to put in perspective, we actually had her home. She had been in the NICU for a couple weeks. And then we actually had her home about six weeks before her due date. Oh, so she's wow. been in the world with us for weeks and weeks before her due date.
0: Mm. And
1: babies, even if they're born completely healthy um, prematurely, they just don't have that ability to have the sucking action in order to breastfeed normally. Yeah. So, in order, because one of my goals with motherhood, because it actually took me five years to even get pregnant, I didn't know I could be a mom. One of my goals is I wanted to be able to breastfeed. I did not get this natural birth experience that I was hoping for. Nothing like that came to fruition. So instead I was trying to just have something. And I knew that for the health of my baby, being able to breastfeed her, especially being a preemie was going to be the best thing for her long-term health. Mm -hmm. So in order to breastfeed a premature baby, you have to pump. And in order to be able to stimulate enough milk production, I had to pump. Every two hours for approximately 20 to 30 minutes, every two hours around the clock for 24 hours a day. And I did that for about two months. Wow. And so, you know, there was this clock where I, so during the first two months of my daughter's life, like my sleep just yeah. was non-existent. So it's a mat, it was like torture in a sense, yeah. like I have to do that. And one of my worries before giving birth, um, and do you have kids? I'm I'm a stip mom. Yeah. And so, but one of the worries, you know, sometimes that a lot of us like parents or prospective parents have is like, oh my gosh, when I have a kid, I'm not going to be able to sleep. And how am I going to still function and do everything I need to do? That was actually a fear I had. And so then here I was thrown into this experience where I was literally like sleeping for maybe 90 minutes at a time around the clock and then pumping and feeling like a milk cow with putting these things on and just doing your best and and getting just drops and so that you could feed your, your precious baby. So I got to the point where she was able to start nursing and then I was able to use this little mechanism, these little tubes that you hook on to yourself, this little tube where there's breast milk in this little capsule. And then she, as she sucks, she's getting the breast milk from that. But as she's learning to breastfeed from me, then the milk will start coming from me. And so we had to transition over to that over a period of a few weeks until she was fully able to breastfeed from me solely. And then I actually ended up breastfeeding her for two years and nine months. Oh, amazing. So I moved into that um, to the point where she just um, naturally weaned herself yeah and so that process of going through that, I feel like i'm i wanted wanted to share that because it taught me that I was so much stronger and more resilient than I ever realized and it was that period of time where I knew if I could do that i could anything that I wanted to set my mind to. So the struggles that I had with my weight prior to pregnancy, where I was still a very active person, but, you know, just always kind of feeling on the curvier side and always feeling like (sighs) I just couldn't get it right with what I was eating um, and trying a lot of different things over the years. um, You know, I kind of came to that point through my pregnancy and then postpartum was able to kind of Take that resilience and have it come to come to pass that I've been able to do what I've done post pregnancy that so that's oftentimes why I show that photo because that was like, that was actually the first walk I was taking her on. And that was my first step into my current fitness journey. So like everything prior to that, there's a lot to what was prior to that. And we can talk about that more um, specifically, but that reason I show that photo that was actually snapped by my mother-in-law. I never thought it would come to light. I had to go and find it. I even had thought. I had kind of deleted it and found it again, and I never thought I'd share it because it was such like the beginning of like what I felt was like my lowest point in a lot of ways. But what I realized later, and why I'm so willing to share it, and a lot of people even don't realize that my little nugget is there, three pounds, fifteen ounces in my shirt. About to take a walk on her walk with her, I have to like zoom in so people can see her. Um, And a little, yeah, and so. She's there. And that was our first walk together. That was my first step in getting active again, postpartum, post-bed rest, post-preeclampsia, all this stuff with the breastfeeding was still going on. And so that was kind of my starting point into this like new vision that I was starting to create for myself, becoming a mom for the first time and, and going into that. So that's why I tend to share that photo as opposed to something prior to pregnancy.
0: Yeah. And if I think about you prior to pregnancy, Mel, you were obviously active from a diet perspective. I mean, you, you just mentioned you had, you had some challenges with, with how you looked, maybe, you know, you were slightly curvier, but didn't Mm -hmm. really, nothing sort of um, worked, if you like, to get you to looking in a way that you wanted to look. What was your dietary approach? You were, you were super active from a diet perspective. What kind Mm -hmm. of things had you tried, if anything, or were you just eating to support your activity or how was it?
1: Yeah, I tried, tried a lot of things. And to take you all the way back to childhood, um, I grew up on very much a typical Western diet as a very young person. You know, when we when I would go out to eat with my mother, you know, drive throughs were the, t- the norm. Um, snacks were usually not packed at home. Of course, she would cook at home a lot. Um, But a lot of it was kind of that semi-homemade type of cooking, you know, maybe chicken breast with like box mashed potatoes with like a cream of chicken soup added on with maybe like a little iceberg salad on the side. So that was kind of like really, really early on. Um, And due to that, I started gaining weight pretty rapidly as a young Person, I was always heavier, you know, in elementary school and middle school. And so very early on, I recognized that I needed to make a change um, with how I was eating. And now with that, I was always very active. So growing up. I was an amazing swimmer for fun. I loved to dance for fun. I did gymnastics for fun. I did walking. I did biking. I just was always doing something. So, I mean, I could do handstands and the splits from a tiny little girl. I could do cartwheels and rolls and jumps and I would hula hoop. And I had this little mini trampoline I'd go and play on every single day. I mean, so my natural inclination was always to be active. I'm happiest Mm. the more active I am. And that is something that has always been with me my entire life. That's never changed. Mm. And so for me, you know, activity was just always there. But nutrition always, you know, wasn't. So around the age of 10, 11, 12, I started cooking for myself more and starting to kind of read about things. So I started to include a lot more fruits and vegetables just naturally on my own. And I started even calorie counting at quite a young age. And when I was 14 years old, I actually went through my first transformation and lost quite a bit of weight that first year in high school. But I Mm -hmm. did it rapidly. I did it on pretty low calories. Um, and I just didn't do it in the healthiest way. I definitely did over restriction. Um, and, but I, a part of it was I was reading in magazines, you know, you need to eat 1200 calories. Yeah. Um, Right. You know, a lot of the things that they had in magazines and this would have been in the nineties. So they, um, you know, so I tried those things and then I would lose weight rapidly, but then what would happen is I would gain it all back. So that was transformation number one happened when I was 14 years old. And it was quite apparent, you know, I think I lost about, you know, 50 pounds as a 14 year old um, and got very, very slim for at least where I thought I was at that time. And so then I gained that weight back. And then as a 17 year old, I had gained the weight back that I lost was. similar to where I was before, if not a little bit heavier. Um, But at the age of 16, to take you back just a little bit before we get there, I actually started practicing yoga. And it was something that I got very, very involved with. And I was a very dedicated yoga practitioner. So for the first several years of my yoga practice career, I did something around three hours a day, every single day for three to five years. Wow. Yeah. So up until the age of like 19 or 20. So I did that. And then I would, you know, walk along with that and do, you know, I just was always very disciplined and always very dedicated. So kind of leading into my next transformation, when I was in high school, I had gained that weight back from the age of, you know, say 14 to 16, around the age of 16, I found yoga And then through finding yoga, I found a lot of peace around food. I found a lot of peace with myself and I was able to lose the weight again in a much more sustainable way, a much slower way. Mm. I wasn't heavily restricting food. Instead, I was trying to stay active and I was trying to find peace around what I was eating, but moving into the yoga community. One of the things, especially in that time in the late nineties, early two thousands is there was quite a huge, um, expectation of clean eating and whole foods and even in vegetarianism and veganism and things like that. So as I moved into this transformation, I definitely moved into like eating more whole foods, more unprocessed foods, and that helped me lose weight, but it almost became looking at certain foods as bad. And I can't include the, those foods in any way into my diet. And it was definitely spurred in to the community that I was with. And cause I, like I said, I always had lended towards the, the curvier side of things, of course, think in the late nineties, early two thousands, who you're thinking of is yoga people. You know, yeah. yoga people in that time are incredibly lean, incredibly slim, and they're looked at and they're vegetarian, they're vegan. They're looked at it as being the kind of that epitome of that body type. And I mm-hmm. was softer. I didn't have that type of muscle tone. I was incredibly impressive with what I could do. I was incredibly impressive with my flexibility, my strength. I was known for being able to, you know, do all of the, those types of things. Um, you know, I think I have some old photos of, you know, me doing a handstand with my feet on my head, you know, at the mm. age of 15. even though I might've been curvier, um, you know, being able to do the splits and reach back and grab my foot behind me in a full split, full back bend, you know, I could do those things. You know, like I said, I practiced three hours a day for years. Um, and so that kind of led me into this vegetarian lifestyle, this clean eating lifestyle, and this kind of good and bad food mentality, where I couldn't even have imagined, you know, integrating some of the like what I call now more like treat fun processed foods in moderation. I could, didn't even include that in moderation. Yeah. So I was able though to kind of be in a slightly healthier version through my transformation, through Mm -hmm. that time. And I was able to maintain a healthier weight for a while, but the weight did kind of slowly creep back on over a period of years now, not months, like it did when I was in my teens, but now over a period of years, it kind of just started to creep up until the point where, you know, I was kind of maintaining throughout my twenties, you know, weighing around 190 pounds, which I think would be around 75 to 80 kgs, you know, so definitely not slim, not huge, but definitely overweight, definitely curvier than I felt comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Um, And through that time, I was definitely being in the yoga community. Um, not, you know, I love that more and more people are out in the world with being more athletic, no matter their shape or size and showing what they can do in the body that they live in and that they should be proud of their body. At the time that I was living in, it was not, I don't know. I just, what didn't have that inside of me to be able to feel as confident because just at the time, I just didn't have that confidence in myself just to be like, listen, I can do this. I'm curvy all good. And like, I still have value and I still have worth and I still felt I had value and I still felt like I had worth, but I didn't feel as comfortable just putting myself out there like to like get on video, to take pictures of myself, to show what I could do, to show that, Hey, I might weigh this much, but I can do a handstand and put my feet on my head and I still feel great. So I spent a lot of my twenties like that, just curvier, very athletic and eating the so-called like clean diet. Mm. Now leading up to a few years before I got pregnant, I gained a little bit more weight around the time of getting married and buying my house. Cause so for me, stress has always been my kicker for like, And this is what goes right into anybody who follows me on social, why I now am such a huge advocate for meal prep and meal planning. So it had nothing to do at this point now. So right before I got pregnant, a few years, I had even come to terms with the clean eating thing. I had really started, I wasn't a vegetarian anymore. I was eating more protein I was, you know, dancing again and doing yoga and doing my garden. And though I was still curvier and, you know, I felt great, you know, I still felt really good inside and I had a lot of energy and I was like eating pizza, you know, that I made from scratch from my garden, like literally from my garden, like everything came from the garden. We've got chickens back there. We've had since 2010, we, I was canning my own produce. I was like, live in the whole slow food life. Um, So I had really come to terms with a lot of ingredients, trying to integrate some fun foods in moderation and feeling really confident, comfortable around that and around food. So even though I wasn't doing this rapid transformation, I was just kind of finding myself in a much more comfortable mindset in myself and my body and where I was at that time. So this is, you know, 15 years has gone by since my initial rapid transformation of extreme, you know, calorie cutting to my second transformation of clean eating yoga, vegetarian, to just kind of coming to a much more balanced place, much more similar to where I am now.
0: Yeah. Mel, can I ask you with your second transformation when you were in the yoga community and you really sort of identified as part of that, Mm -hmm. um, were you still having a lot of time with the people you were around as you were sort of transitioning more into the more balanced sort of um male so how did how did the people around you how did that influence at all your decisions around food um as you were making your transformation back to something a little bit more balanced like was
1: it a hard thing for you for me, I just was spending a lot less time with those individuals. I was spending a lot less time with the strict yoga community. Um, I was spending instead more time um, at home with the, with my own community that I had built myself. So I kind of had transitioned through um, back in 2006 and 2007. I actually lived in the Chicago area. I taught Mm -hmm. yoga full time. I'm also a massage therapist. So I've done that since 2005. Um, I've taught yoga since 2002. So 20 years now, it's been like my thing. And so, um, sort of that time I was finding more comfort in food though. I was still heavily vegetarian and I even did like a raw food vegetarian lifestyle for a while. Um, I tried a lot of vegan food attempts and things like that, but kind of once I, so living in the Chicago community and teaching yoga through that, that was a very expansive yoga community compared to the one that I came from. And there was a lot of variety with that community. Um, and then when I moved um, to the area that I live now, which is nearer where I'm from, because I had moved from like a yoga community to a really big community to then like kind of back to a smaller community, I just... Once I got to that point when I had met, left Chicago and I was in this world, I was no longer really teaching in yoga studios anymore. Um, mm. Instead, I transitioned to teaching um predominantly privately. Mm. So I, for the most part, all of these years now through both yoga and massage, I go directly to people's homes. And now of course, post COVID we've transitioned to now we're more virtual and things like that. But I moved into like creating my own small yoga community with my own clients that I've had for years and years and years. And I started to build that vision of myself. So rather than being Kind of at the whim of like the studio's expectations of what you mm. should look like, what you should be like. Because in even in Chicago, being a slightly curvier yoga teacher at the time, I was well um received, um, but because with by the students, but not necessarily the studio owners, um, mm-hmm. because there was Um, a certain vision and expectation that I think that some of them had not all but if but enough Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was nice to transition into just a smaller community and 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 to be honest um Part of it is when I moved back from Chicago, I was a little burnt out on the entire yoga community and the vibe, and and yoga was such a huge part of my life. It still is. I still am a teacher. I still have my classes. I teach every week. I taught one this morning um, with some students I've had for over a decade now. You know, wow. so it, yeah. So I'm able to have this little community where we focus on a lot more of just the wholesome, therapeutic benefits of what yoga can bring, um, through our bodies as we age and really thinking of yoga in this less, um, athletic and, um, showy kind of like, oh, I can do this crazy bendy pose and more just how can this enhance my life and help me feel better as I age. So that's Mm. more where I am now with how I approach my yoga classes. It's much more focused on recovery therapeutics, feeling good from the inside out and from there. So to answer your question, so being less a part of that community and more part of another community really, um, helped yeah for sure and to take away a lot of those expectations around um vegetarianism veganism um because there were some even you know people in the community that I was involved with if you weren't a vegan you weren't allowed to teach at that studio so mm. um so there was like strong expectations of like your food related to your your um identity you could say um yeah. in the community that I was involved with originally it's
0: yeah, so interesting, isn't it? So I when I talk to people about how they make changes to their diet, what often comes up, and I'm sure, because I'd really be interested to know what, what this is like for you as well, and I'm sure that we'll get onto it, but you've just sort of highlighted a little bit there, is that it's not just... Our expectations of ourselves and, and our diet. It's what others expect us to um to present ourselves to the world. You know, what do they expect from us and the type of foods you eat and the type of training that you do? And does that match the expectation of the person you are? You know, and and you've had such a transformation. And and I guess one of my what I'm really interested to know, which which um just across the time is how your transformation has been received by the people around you, I guess, because that's yeah. one yeah. of the hardest things for some people.
1: Yeah. So I think the fact that I went through two transformations in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two quite dramatic, you know, transformations at some of the most um trying times in life when you're Mm. feeling the most, you know, yoga really saved me during that time. It gave me something to help me with my stress. I mean, when I look at my life, I look at pre-yoga and post-yoga, pre-baby and post-baby. Though yoga... And, and then post baby and with post baby, that also includes adding weightlifting. Those are the, the huge things that have really spiraled me into transformation, um, and finding who I am and, and letting that continue to evolve. So currently the people in my life, like I, I do have, um, a yoga class that I've been with since right after I had my baby. So they hired me at the height of my postpartum experience. And, but they say now like, oh, we were so happy to hire you because you're so unintimidating. You weren't that yoga girl that you might expect. That's just like, you know, that might be intimidating to women just starting to want to get into some type of regular activity that's gentle and lets them kind of, you know, meet them where they are and all of that. So that actually was a benefit, you know, in some ways there. Um, And then another group that I have had for so long They've seen me through so many things and I've seen them through so many things. So it's definitely a very welcoming community where you just come as you are and we just grow with one another and we make changes along the way. Now for like my immediate family, immediate friends, Mm. like I am so blessed that You know, my husband and my close friends, they just love me for who I am, no matter what I look like. My husband takes me for wherever I am, however I am, because, and as he will always say, you know, you're always you and you're always beautiful to me. Like you're just Mel to me. Yeah. You're just you're just you and we met right after I moved back from Chicago too so like my journey of being a wife and all of that started pretty soon and 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 that also was incredibly healing for me just to find an amazing man an amazing partner to start building a life with Um, who always took me for just me even my struggles through the years and seeing me go through all of these transitions and changes and so you know we joke with each other that it's just like oh it's a new me every month you know (laughs) you know like it's just fine like you know it's just a new me and 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 it's like you've been married to like seven different people (laughs) um you know so like the, the the you know person he met right when we met in my early 20s right when I moved back from Chicago to our early married life doing our garden and being homesteaders and urban farmers to you know, going through the journey of not thinking we could ever be parents. You know, we Mm -hmm. dealt with that for five years together and we were fine with it one way or another, but then magically all of a sudden having this little bright little being who, you know, popped into our world. And that was just a magic and miracle of itself. And then, you know, my daughter, she sees... The photo of me then, and she doesn't remember me like that at all. Only from photos, and so it's been over three years now that I've had a hundred pounds off. So I mean, I lost my original hundred pounds, you know, just within the first two years. So she really has only seen me and recognizes me that. And now my daughter is home, not feeling great from school, so she may (laughs) pop in it's no problem. Okay. no problem um you know and that's one of the things that I'm sure we'll get to with social media is I want to show that like this has all happened with having a preemie baby and a husband yeah. and clients and all of that still going on it all is yeah. still happening and it's always non-stop so the people around me and my my intimate community are just so supportive and they don't treat me any differently which is just yeah. amazing now it if is. I run it now what's funny though, I'll say, which has been, um, I think just kind of silly is it's funny to run into neighbors who don't remember me at all. And I just like, I'm just like, oh, it's like a whole new start. <laughs> Cause I'm like, oh, I remember them and they are kind <laughs> like, of, so nice, and, and then they're like nice now. And I'm like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there is interesting people as far as that goes about strangers or people that I only knew as an acquaintance. But you know, those those people come and go and it's not a big deal. But my intimate community They're just so supportive and so loving regardless. And I think that's a huge thing that is so beneficial for anyone going through transformation is to know that if people are not supportive of you, if they're not treating you well as you're making these efforts and letting you allow yourself to be a priority, that they're not necessarily worth your time. And you might need to transition away from involvement. And one of my teachers, you know, one of his quotes is you are the company you keep. So keep great company. Mm. So surrounding yourself with people who are loving and supportive, no matter who you are, what you're doing, how much you weigh, what you look like, you got makeup on or not like all that stuff, like that, they love you regardless.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so great that you've had that supportive community because I speak to a lot of people who talk about the challenges they have with the people around them and they might not be there and, and like you, they're not it's not their immediate people, it might be colleagues at work or old school friends that they're still in touch with or who unintentionally sabotage their best efforts to mm-hmm. meet their goals. And I say unintentionally because or they make comments about what they're doing and it's more highlighting their own insecurities rather than, you know, that someone's doing something or I guess people feel uncomfortable with change. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing and it's and it almost makes them question their own behavior if they see someone else doing something different and that's really good for them and that's moving that person forward it's really easy to question yourself as to what you're doing and then try and find ways I suppose to justify why they're not making similar changes even if they want to does that make sense like I don't know change makes us question our behavior
1: yeah, absolutely. Because that happened to me so much during my 20s, you know, like mm-hmm. the the long span of time where I had gone through a transformation. And and so one of the things that I kind of do now and what I do with social media is I am constantly challenging myself by putting the things out that I put out because Um, Like I said, I started doing yoga at a very young age. And, you know, at 16, I was incredibly dedicated. I also studied with at the time, some of the biggest names in yoga. You Mm -hmm. know, at the time I traveled to see them, I studied with them, they were some of the best teachers you could find at the time, highly educated, world renowned teachers, um, who had also studied with, the even more world renowned you know handful of names that you hear about that have written you know the books they were studying with them they were in the crux of that that community so i was this very young 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 person involved with all of these people most of the people i was with were 10 20 years younger young, older at the minimum because i was mm. only 17 18 19 20 at this time and at, you know in the early 2000s there was just not many people my age as dedicated as I was to the education and the practice and the studying of the philosophy the technique um all of it so mm. at that time well, because I worked so hard and I practiced diligently for hours a day I was able to do a lot of the trick looking poses that you might see on Instagram. Now I was able to do that then, but this is before social media. This is before you could really put yourself out there in this way and be applauded for it. Instead, you were seen and told to be a show off. Yeah. 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 So I got that feedback a lot that like, oh, you are in the very first yoga class I ever took. And I never wanted to go back again because I thought that would be the expectation of what I was supposed to do. Oh, interesting! And right. And so, you know, at that time I was like, yeah, but I've been practicing three hours a day for four years. Have you been doing that? No. Yeah. So don't expect yourself to be able to do what an advanced practitioner is doing when you're a brand new beginner. Mm. And so that's something that I think for me after that second transformation and then not having that internal vigor to just like move through that criticism of being a show off in these classes and and as a teacher and in these experiences, when I was with these other teachers and doing these trainings and feeling as though I needed to hide what I was capable of and hide what I was really able to do, not only with my physical self, but with my physical self because of my discipline, Mm. because I was very proactive and I just loved it. And so I think a lot of the weight gain through that time came from me creating this little, literal physical shell of trying to hide that internal fire that I had, you know, me feeling like I needed to damp it down to make other people feel comfortable. Yeah. So then I kind of had hidden away a lot, you know, and just kind of felt like, oh, I can't really show that I can do that um, because you know, other people don't like it. They just, you know, because I grew up in a very small town, like being seen and noticed was never a good thing. You know, you yeah. want to be more um, invisible. And in school, you wanted to be more invisible and you didn't want to put yourself out there. And if you were seen, you were just seen as somebody having an ego and having, you know, again, that show off tendency, which is the opposite of what I wanted, because my personality is I want everyone around me to feel great. I want them to feel better after being around me than they did when they first, you know, walked up. I just always want people to feel their best. And like, I have so much empathy towards that. Mm. And, So now, fast forwarding to my postpartum journey, a big part of my unlearning as I've been tapping back into my innate essence of having the discipline that I've always had and allowing myself to slowly show what I'm really capable of and tapping into what I'm really capable of. A big part of my journey on sharing on social media is me getting past feeling uncomfortable with being seen as a show off or someone who thinking that showing that like what I'm capable of is going to demean or take away what other people are capable of. And Mm -hmm. instead realizing that showing what I am capable of can show other people that they're capable of it
0: and I really feel that that's exactly what your social media presents. You know, it's it's all it's filled with um, positive messages, a real realistic kind of expectations. You talk about your journey a lot, which is great. So anyone coming across you isn't under the impression that you've always been this fit, um, uh, strong, and I mean, you've always had these, uh, yeah these, um, you've always been the strong fit individual has always been weightlifting and has always sort of thought in the way that you're sort of thinking now, you know, that you're always very uh, quite clear on, haven't always been like this. So mm. if I can do it, you can do it too. And I yeah. think that's so helpful.
1: Cause I want people to see, cause you know, like I was saying at the very, very beginning, it just breaks my heart to see people losing hope on what they're able to accomplish based on unrealistic timelines. Yeah. And why I keep saying over and over and over again is like, you know, this was years, years in the making, not weeks, not days. Like, you know, my transformation is epic now over a period of six years. But even if you look at my photos a year apart, they're not huge, you know, there's not huge, huge changes, even in an entire year. Yeah. But then when you add the years up, it's just undeniable. Yeah. And so that's what I want people to see. Cause I think that I think it's amazing when people can get, you know, a really awesome eight week transformation, a really amazing 12 week transformation. I applaud those people. But I also want to see that show that I was not one of those people who every eight weeks I had a lot to show for it as far Mm. as physical changes. Like mine was, you know, came from doing small things day by day consistently for years and never ever going to major extremes. I've already done that, like I said in the past. I've already, you know, been there, done that. And I just, you know, as a mom, as a wife, as a woman now in my late thirties, it's just not anything that interests me. And because I do have a very supportive environment where nobody cares really what I look like, what I weigh, what my size is, what my muscle tone's like, what my strength is like, you know, I look at my community that I'm involved with, with not like, what do I look like, but What is it that I can do to help others? And what can I do to be there for other people? Mm. And so, you know, nobody cares about these things, but I know that visually to reach people I've never met before, they do need to see the transformation, the before, you know, they do need to see that. And honestly, every time I put it up, you see, I don't post it that often in my actual posts. I'm just not a selfie person. I'm not, it's not that I don't think I'm attractive. It's not that I don't think that I have, you know, a nice figure to show anything like that, that I'm uncomfortable in that way, or even how much I weigh, what my measurements are. None of that. It's just that I feel like that's one of the least interesting things about how I can help other people. Yeah, But at the same time, I know that people seeing that will resonate and to let them know that what that is possible. Totally. Yeah. So it's kind of always for me, I'm always playing with that balance of like how much to show being a mom, being someone who is pretty modest, being a wife, um, being someone in my late thirties. I don't have Photographers. I have a smudgy mirror that my daughter puts her hands on and puts her face on. I may or may not get it wiped off when I go to snap a photo. The lighting changes depending on the day. I am not high tech whatsoever. But mm-hmm. I'm like, you no, know, if I can just snap this photo and just show people and I always show people whatever's up to date. I never show, I never take photos and show something from like a year ago. Or if I do, I go, this is from this exact day and I'm showing you the relationship between like, you know, my changes through that reverse diet that I had from that period of time. Like, oh, this is what I had experienced from this reverse diet. This is my results in that period. But for the most part, I always try to show up to date because I also don't like that in social media, people will take photos and put them up from years ago in this unrealistic body that they couldn't keep yeah and yeah so I always try to be really clear about time frames and and when this is and and all of that
0: but yeah now can we get into the details can Mm -hmm. you let me know so at that sort of that I'll say your height of your sort of postpartum experience Mm -hmm. which you also described as maybe one of your lowest points Mm -hmm. how did you get beginning on your mode on the transformation that sort of got you to where you are now
1: yeah so kind of like what I did regarding nutrition training activity yeah training, yeah and like, how uh, you found yeah. it because I think finding
0: information and I guess it's probably well, I, think, yeah. I guess 2016 What social I can't even remember if social media was around and tw- must yeah. have been around yeah in- I yeah. think I started yeah. my
1: Instagram in like 2013 so oh, there and- you go kind of 2008. So yeah, it's in that, it's in that vein where it had been around long enough, but maybe not quite as, as crazy as it is now. So, um, so in 2016. Like I said, I, I spent my entire life kind of going up and down with weight. Um, I already knew about calorie counting. I already knew about macros. I already knew about a lot of these things, but coming from the vegetarian side of things in the yoga community, one of the things that I wasn't as aware of, or the, the benefits of was um, protein, you know, like and how much protein I really needed. Um, like I always knew about fruits and vegetables, whole grains, fiber and protein in the sense of that. Yes. Protein is good, but I didn't really have a good grasp of how much I actually needed. Mm -hmm. Um, so early on, I got to walking whenever I could with my daughter, um, And she's always loved the outdoors and always loved walking. So I would just strap her on and we'd go on a walk. And then I also started just getting back into my yoga practice, just doing the very basics. And one of the things that I don't share as much on social media, because it's been so much a part of my life is I'm incredibly good at technique and biomechanics. And I've helped people for years, um, get through injuries and, all of my students and the people that I've worked with over the years, I mean, they come at me with any and everything. And I've, you know, worked um, as a massage therapist at lots of various places, including chiropractic clinics and things like that, and rehabbing people coming back from major injuries. So I have a big background in all of those types of things. And that's kind of really like like nutrition for me and cooking and recipes has always been a love and a passion project. But for me, um, biomechanics coming back from injury therapeutics is my forte. So that is something that I have been doing since 18, like helping people in this way. And as a massage therapist, as a very therapeutic biomechanically driven, like yoga teacher and practitioner who also used to be dance, like body movement and just movement mechanics is just like my forte. So as I was coming back from um, my postpartum and being a heavy body, I still know, knew what I could do mm-hmm. and I knew what I could do to progress myself appropriately and safely. And so yeah. I started doing that. Um, so over, but just in the time I had, so it will be 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, a walk. Um, and in that first year, I kind of just ate what felt felt right as a breastfeeding mom. Mm-hmm. Um and I still lost 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. So without tracking, but yeah. just kind of doing my best. Um that first year was just doing my best. <laughs> yes. I started doing at home because I've only ever worked out at home, um like group bar workouts. So like yeah. you know the ballet bar where you like the leg and you do your little things. Well, with that was included a tiny bit of weights. And I just remember being 245 pounds. You know, I'd already lost 40. You know, my daughter was turning one. I started doing these bar classes as a low impact way to start moving my body more than what I had been doing. Now that my daughter would let me have longer than 15 minutes and i just remember something inside me when i started lifting weights just craved it and i just i re- there was this one day that i had been breastfeeding and she was taking a nap and she never let me get up when she was napping i had to lay next to her she's affectionately called our velcro baby <laughs> running up the stairs right now and i just had to slip away to go grab some weights and do some bicep curls, some tricep extensions, Mm -hmm. and like something that also was like for the kind of like the rear delt area. And because like from breastfeeding and doing this so much, even though from yoga, I'd stretch it, you know, I do all those things I knew to do. There was just something about weightlifting that I was like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. And I started craving it. So that. Transitioned me away from like the bar exercises, which I still think are an amazing workout. You've got the support of the bar. If you're a heavy body, you're already lifting all that extra weight just that's already on you. Mm. It was already fantastic, so I still highly recommend it as a wonderful place to to start if you to be more low impact on your joints, but just to get you moving. And I started doing my very first training programs, like starting to follow structured, progressive training programs that I found online. So when my daughter was napping and I was stuck in bed next to her, I did a lot of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I did a lot yeah. of YouTube. Um, yeah. and I found some really amazing people that I'm incredibly like thankful for to this day, who I still follow, um, and kind of started to dive down the rabbit hole of like science-based approaches to training. And I think a lot of them you're very, very familiar with probably all the people you're familiar with. I'm familiar with in the science-based field. Yeah. Um, and so we really started to learn from them and just engross myself because my daughter would nap three hours a day. I had nowhere to go. So I mean, I just was like in it. I just yeah. immersed myself into like everything that I could learn. And then when I had the opportunity to train, I train. So since 2017, I have trained five to six days a week without fail. Mm-hmm. So I don't miss a workout. I mean, if I have like a fever or something, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But
1: I love training. So that to me was never the hard part, but the nutrition, what changed. And so protein, like I said, was the initial thing that I learned. I learned how much I actually needed. Yeah. And then to dive into that early on in my life, I always heard about these 1200 calorie diets, 1500 calorie diets. And I remember trying them and being like, oh my God, I'm starving to death. I yeah. can't live like this. And I've actually learned that I have a much speedier metabolism than maybe even the average woman mm-hmm. and the average person. So me trying to do these, these 1500 calorie, 1200 calorie diets was just torture. I mean, it was like a 15, you know, me trying to eat 1200 calories was like a 2000 calorie deficit for me when I was at that heavy point, Yeah, you know, totally. Yeah, it was and and I'm being serious because when I was around 230ish pounds I started tracking my macros and I was losing 2 pounds a week eating not including vegetables I wasn't even tracking that at that time. I was eating 2600 calories a day, losing about 2 pounds a week. Yeah, amazing. So I just had this speedy metabolism and I And yes, I'm active. Yes, I have more muscle just even to begin with, maybe than the average person from my background and always being active my whole life. But I just was like, oh my gosh, my metabolism is is so much speedier than what everybody else is talking about. And I'm starving at those calories. Like, I mean, just dying. And so for me, figuring out that, figuring out what my actual maintenance calories were and how much to actually peel back was like, a miracle to just diet on a 400 to 500 calorie deficit, which for me throughout a lot of my journey was actually to 24 to 2,500 calories. That was a 500 calorie deficit for me. Yeah.
0: And you, like you say you have a speedier metabolism than other people you coach people mm-hmm. in macros and stuff now too is is your experience more um do you notice that a lot in people that they're actually you know that they can in fact diet on higher calories with them what they would have thought given that we've all sort of consumed this 1500 calorie a day sort of diet um, mentality
1: yeah. It's, you know, it's dependent. It's dependent yeah. on the person and their dieting history. Cause I have some people where they've had very restrictive diets and they tend, uh, and, you know, spend a lot of time always trying to be in a deficit, not really ever taking time to build muscle. And those folks tend to not be able to diet on as high of calories, but mm. it's getting better with time. yeah. Yeah, but maybe to start with. And then what I've noticed with all of my clients, especially the ones that I've been able to be with, you know, some people I'll work with for 12 weeks and then some people I'm blessed with that, you know, they're keeping me around for six months, nine months, a year, 18 months beyond. Right. So the people that I've been able to, cause I, I keep my coaching business small, cause I'm, mm. I'm sustainable living to the core. Like I don't want to work so much that I can't relax and enjoy my family and enjoy all the other things in life. I love my training, cooking, just taking care of my home, being with my friends and family, that kind of stuff. So I just yeah. take off what I can handle and what I feel will not be overly stressful because I want to give everyone I work with my best and I mm. can't get my best if I am, you know, overextending myself. Totally. So so the people that um, I've been able to work with long term, and we've been going through these cycles like I have done with cutting and reversing and maintenance and learning about maintenance, I'm just seeing their calories creep up as their resistance training, And they're able to maintain and even lose on so many more calories than they initially started with. But Mm. oftentimes, yes, I do agree that most people can actually lose weight on more calories than they realize because they didn't realize how much they were really eating before they started tracking. They just yeah. assumed they had this imaginary number of, oh, I've, I've only been eating 1800 calories a day. So that means I do need to go to 12 or 1300 calories to give that 500 calorie deficit. And they do that. But really with weekend eating and plenty of untracked licks and extra heap of that peanut butter, whatever it is, they actually were probably eating closer to 26, 2700 calories even. Mm. So they actually, actually were able to even lose on 2000, which is 200 more than they even thought they were eating to begin with. So I mean, yeah. yes, very much so people can eat, especially when they prioritize foods that are high volume, fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, the amount of volume you really can eat and the amount of food you can really eat is substantial so much more than they realize it might take them a half an hour to eat their meal as opposed to yeah. a food and it's if they're just eating like a cheeseburger and fries. Yeah, totally. Really
0: yeah. And yep. Mel, so your first um, step yourself was obviously figuring out your maintenance calories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine you must do that with your clients. How do people do that?
1: Like how do people figure out their maintenance calories? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So there's a few different ways that they can try doing it. You know, they can just initially track everything they're eating without changing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, weigh themselves and kind of see, are they maintaining, are they losing, are they gaining? That's kind of a quick and dirty way to do it. If they're going to try, there are calculators though. They're not super accurate, but they can kind of get you in a ballpark range. If you go online and you do like a TDE calculator. T-D-E-E calculator Mm. to kind of give them a little bit of a ballpark. And what I also noticed with talking to my clients is that I can kind of intuitively grasp if they typically have a higher metabolism or slower metabolism than most through the questionnaire that I give them. and, And just having our initial intake conversation, like with a brand new client, I first have a full questionnaire that I give them that they fill an email to me. And then I kind of put together like an initial rough draft of their plan. But then I get on with them like this. And we usually talk for two hours to kind of solidify Mm -hmm. everything, get to know each other. So that's another thing why I take on so little is because I really... I actually do these live chats and I talk to people and I help them through with training, technique, nutrition, all of that. So, with maintenance calories, you know. Trying to, I mean, I personally do love tracking apps, logging food, really putting it in there. Of course, there's coaching apps that are amazing that kind of help you get a better ballpark than even the TDEE calculators that are available online. But a lot of it is just trial and error and figuring out what you're currently eating, which is very, very eye-opening when you track that very first week. I'm sure you can agree. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think when people first start tracking, one of the things they see are two, twofold. Usually their calories are either much higher than they expected or sometimes much lower because maybe with yeah. tracking, they kind of try to be good, you know? Yeah, 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 And they usually also notice, and I'm sure you see this too, that their protein is so much lower yeah. than they realize that they're really not getting a lot of protein. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, those are some ways to get started with it. Um, and hopefully that answers your, your
0: question. Yeah, no, it totally does. Because yeah. so, so you found obviously tracking your macros, um, doing the protein, or, or sorry, figuring out how much protein you needed were mm-hmm. were two of your sort of tools that you sort of used in that diet realm. And then of course the volume of food. And I, th- and I love the way that you put that out on your social media and you show the meals that you eat because I'm a volume eater. Lots of my clients are volume eaters and they can't believe how much, they can still eat yet continue to lose weight because you're, um, you often, a lot of people think like you were talking about that they have to almost be hungry in order to be successful with losing weight. And you're like quite a good example of that's actually not the case at all.
1: Absolutely. High volume food is huge. I mean, you know, I would say just really now in this, this journey, as much as I loved my clean eating and I loved my whole foods, when I really look back and I, you know, be objective, I wasn't eating nearly as many fruits and vegetables as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And for me being the clean eater, one of the things that I struggled with was the olive oil bottle. Like when cooked or nuts at the end of the night with a few chocolate chips and chocolate chips and, and nuts are fine, but I wouldn't realize like how small a portion really was for how much I was getting for that. Yeah. And now, you know, I could eat in a little tiny palm of my hand, you know, all of those calories, you know, say four or 500 calories easily. Whereas now I might have a really big frosty and, or really big bowl of oats and fruit and yogurt, you know, for the same amount of calories, but it's like, I can't even tell you five, six times the volume of food, but for the same amount of calories. So making those key swaps was really huge and, and letting you realize that you didn't have to feel starving from dieting. And honestly, that because with those transitions and those changes I made with really figuring out good high volume food, um, for me made such a huge difference and usually makes a huge difference for other people. And it can be scary at first for clients to start eating that amount of volume because, because they have that inner sensation of fullness, they think they must not be losing weight. I'm sure you have had that experience with clients as well, where they, they're like, the scale is going down but I'm so mm. full all the time. Like, and I have to eat again. I can't eat this much. I've had clients tell yeah. me, I just can't even eat this much. And, yeah. even, and so for sometimes with those clients who are who maybe can't eat that much in the sense of they're very busy, they have a very short um, break for a meal at certain times of the day, depending on their career. Then those folks, like in my cookbook, I do have some more calorie dense Options and I remember needing them so much as a mom where I could only eat one handed and I had 30 seconds, but I needed to still get a meal in. So yeah. I still like having those options where because not everybody has a half an hour to be able to dig into a meal, but um, but yeah, most people are just blown away by really how much they can still eat and yeah. reach goals when they're not trying to cut a thousand, fifteen hundred calories off, or they're trying to live up to the expectation that in order to lose weight, there are those tricky numbers that we hear of the 1200 or 1500 calorie diet that they think Mm. is standard, but it's not.
0: Yeah. And also your, you know, your your approach is really different from a lot that that's out there with regards to fasting and one meal a day. And the idea that, you know, and I think that time-restricted eating is such a great therapeutic tool if someone's got a um, health condition or if it helps someone with their appetite because for some people actually eating at all into of the day is actually an issue so sort of even getting them to 12 hours eating within 12 hours is an important sort of step yet within that with you you're, you're you know it's very clear you have like three what, what, four or five meals a day mal or something like that where you're able to distribute your protein across the course of those days they're all high protein options that include real food protein in addition to the supplements because we needed to help get that protein level up um so it's certainly not a deprivation diet by any stretch
1: no and I'll, I'll, a couple things there so like for me too with coming from that vegetarian background um, I just find myself lending towards Greek yogurt and protein powder for my, my enjoyment of my food, just because I did have a very strict vegetarian diet for 10 years. And even as a kid growing up, I didn't really eat meat except for maybe one meal a day. It just was never mm. my Drive, So now I just kind of find myself to, you know, one to two meals a day that include like more of a, a meat is more just kind of what I tend towards, I think because of that. But yeah. I will say, I don't know if you talk to people a lot who, um, you know, on the podcast who, um, come from a place of being incredibly overweight regarding intermittent fasting. So for me, I actually did kind of have an intermittent fasting approach, losing my initial hundred pounds because I had so much extra energy to burn through that. I never woke up hungry in the morning. So it was so easy to shorten my eating period in order to have larger meals in a shorter window of time. So I feel like as far as, um, something that can be very helpful for someone that does have a lot of extra weight to lose. If you're not hungry in the morning that, yeah, why not push back when you're going to eat that first meal, if that's going to mm. help have a better opportunity to create that calorie deficit that you need for weight loss. Cause for me, especially when I was heavier, like I said, I was never hungry in the morning. And then in the evening is when my hunger kicked in. So if I could just have those extra calories in the evening as opposed and save them for when I actually felt physically hungry, as opposed to when in the morning feeding myself, when I didn't have those hunger signals coming in yet, that was really helpful for me to dive better into understanding my own hunger and satiety. So for a good while, I did kind of take on kind of a natural inclination towards that intermittent fasting because I do think that it can be a great approach for someone who does have a lot of weight to lose. Um, Cause if you're not going into as big of a deficit, you're not going to trigger the hunger as much. And then your body's burning through that extra energy. You just naturally have that you're able just to use up. And one of the visions, visualizations that I had during that time was like my body using that extra food, mm. that extra food energy had already given it. I already gave it to my body when I was pregnant in order to nourish my baby. And the doctors did say whatever I did when I was pregnant, I did exactly what I was supposed to do because my baby was healthy. Yeah. And I had this intuitive since when I was pregnant, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I did feel like my body was telling myself to eat more because she was so small and I don't think she was able to get all the nourishment I was giving myself, mm. whatever was going on with our pregnancy. So I kind of had to give this regular influx of nutrition and then she would get what she could take. And then my body just as a mama would do just took on the brunt of the rest. Cause that's what we do for our kids. We just, yeah. Yeah, you know, we'll do what we need to do to make sure our kids are safe, and so they said whatever I did worked. So one of my visualizations I had while I was initially losing that weight was like, you know, I already ate this meal, you know, I already yeah. had this breakfast. I just had it. I just had it a few months ago, and I'm just now using that breakfast up. So, I
0: totally love that. That's great.
1: Yeah, because yeah. I think um, I think one of the things that is really detrimental for people's mindsets when they're going on a transformation journey is this expectation that they're going to feel deprived.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And so if we can get over that hurdle of thinking that what they're doing is deprivation, instead it's giving them the opportunity to thrive and be well and have more of that abundance mindset, that makes a huge difference in someone's opportunity to have success. And then in addition to that one of the things that I had to do is I was doing my YouTube, you know, journey learning And what I've always tried to translate into all of my students or clients who are new to yoga, to dance, to weightlifting, to nutrition, to macros, whatever it may be, that we really have to step into this with this beginner's mindset to let go of these preconceived notions we've had in the past. Because a lot of times I'll have a client going, I know how to lose weight. I've done it in the past. I'm going to do what I've done before. I'm going to cut out carbs. I'm going to slash my calories like this. I'm not going to drink my wine. I'm not going to have the dessert. I'm not going to go out to this dinner. Um I've done it before. I know how to do it. I I don't need your help, you know, but they need my help but they don't need my help, you know. Yeah, and yeah. So, yeah. And so they'll, they'll t- talk me through this. And then I go, "Well, but you always gain your weight back, right?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, but that's besides the point." Like I know how to lose weight. I just do this. Yeah. And and so part of it is unlearning these Patterns that we've had, these things we've seen as trends, and letting yourself try something new and yeah. going through that fear, you know, of the initial, which I think is one of the things maybe you were wanting to chat about was about not jumping the gun when something goes yeah. go right. Yeah,
0: completely. The yeah, completely because. The what you what you've just said is so true. Like people are like losing weight is actually relatively simple because of all of the things that we've just talked about that people can do. Like they can slash calories, they can cut carbs, they can shorten eating windows, they can do all of that stuff. And that will result in a weight loss. But it's that sustained behavior change. It's putting the time in, it's instilling those habits, laying that foundation for something which is then therefore just the way that they do things rather than the way that they're doing things for eight weeks, you know, and that's what leads to that sustained weight loss because otherwise they wouldn't need to come back and they wouldn't need to go on yet another diet. They wouldn't need to put into practice those things that they've already done before that worked last time. Mm -hmm. It's, Absolutely. So it's that um, when things don't go right, you know, or don't go the way that you expect them to go, how do you keep your head in the game to then just, you know, continue to do it? That's the bit I think that people find challenging.
1: Yeah and that's why one of the things why talking about how i try to show timelines on things and try to reiterate like and just so i try to share with my weekly updates which i've done like prior to sharing them on instagram i had been sharing them for close to a year in like a private group so like i kind of gotten used to kind of like hey this is what's going on with my journey and my response in those groups was always so positive that i was like maybe i need to just get comfortable with just sharing it with everybody um because i as being a yoga teacher one of the things that i've always done is you you walk into the room and you're there to offer service to help people go through their life and go through their journey and to feel better by the end and one of the things you do is you sit into this role of Like letting your own life experience be an opportunity, not in like a really um, direct way of like oversharing about your own life, but in this kind of way where you can relate to probably what other people are going through, because we're all human and we're all going through this human experience. So how can you translate that into your teaching and into the practice that resonates with them? And so that's one of the things that I attempt to do with social media and with my weekly updates is to take what I'm going through on a weekly basis and use it as an opportunity to teach people why they might be experiencing what they're experiencing along their journey. So that Mm -hmm. if that makes sense that way, it's like, it is my life and it is what's going on weekly, but it's also just what everyone is going to experience as they're going through it. Scale fluctuations, bad sleep and injury schedule changes, like whatever might be happening that all is going to happen and how that might affect you on your journey and your experience of your training and of your sleep and of your nutrition and ways that you can cope with those things, um, when they are going to arise because they're going to arise. Mm. Because one of the things that, um, I'm sure you experience with your clients, what I've experienced with my clients, what I've experienced with myself is especially early on is, you know, how many times have we thought i will just start on Monday. Yeah. Monday. Yeah. And that mentality always leads to so much more struggle than is needed. Yeah. And so how can we use the practice of forgiveness and self-love and self-kindness to be what is the forefront of our journey. Yeah. Because one of the things I try to translate in social media with my clients, with myself, is doing this as a way to celebrate the opportunity of being able to move and feel good and eat well, and that in no way is it a punishment. It's something
0: you're doing for yourself, not to yourself. Yeah, Yeah,
1: we're doing it for ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that when we can move into that abundance mindset, that feeling that we're not depriving ourselves, that we're doing this for our long term health, energy, well being. And even if you feel like you can't take the time away because you have too many other things to do, one of the things that I notice when you are less fit, when you aren't eating as well, you have less energy anyway. So you're not even getting the same output. But if you're fit, if you're healthy, even if you took that hour away, hour away from being directly involved with your whatever it is, name the list, you have, because you took it that time away, you get it back in spades. You just get it back so much more than you even realize in so many other aspects. because. Carrying around extra weight, or even if you're slimmer on the slimmer side, but you're not very strong, just being weak and tired or just weak and overweight like it's so much harder to do everything, everything harder. Yeah. So if you can take the time to do that, you just ultimately are going to feel so much better. And so it's so worth it. So, yes, I try to translate just kind of what I'm going through into how I'm trying to teach. And I try never to, I try never to let my stories just run on end. I try to have a beginning and an end. I try to let people have a little takeaway, nothing too much, just something that maybe they can take away with them that week that might be helpful in some way, just something small, because we can't do everything at once, but we can make those small changes to kind of get us there. I think, I don't know if we're quite on the track of where we started that little initial conversation, but no, that's perfect. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that is absolutely it. And, and I get, and again,
0: that's what I get from your messaging on social media as well. You, you like yesterday, for example, you had like four things. These, these are the things which I found really important in my journey and you always, and, and with your clients, you always related to something that you, um, that is true to you and your clients and you let people know that this is, you know, the way that was for me. And I feel that's really good from that expectation management perspective when people come to your page and you always have that real, um, just that positive outlook on it. But you also let us know when, you know, look, I've been sick, sleep's not been great I'm recovering from my surgery, which you've just had was sort of almost as part of this transformation, I feel it's not like a, it's almost a different, but the same part of your sort of like ending, ending your transformation, but sort of. Becoming who you are kind
1: of a yeah, a celebration of like everything that I had done before to get to this point. Totally. Yeah. So for those like listening, so in 14 weeks ago, I have lost. So like I have lost 145 pounds. I went from around 283 at the peak of my pregnancy because I still take that 283 because delivering a three and a half pound baby, hey, that's a lot of work. I'll (laughs) take that as part of my weight loss. Yeah it's not like that was just like it just happened there was an emergency c-section that was involved with that so yes i lost 145 pounds i went from 283 to um 138 pounds mm-hmm. naturally in 2 years i lost my initial 100 pounds and then through the size through 3 plus year or through 3 years i should say of cycling through fat loss phases reverse diets and periods of maintenance as well as in integrating diet breaks and plenty of calorie planning. As I'm sure, you know, in calorie cycling and things like that, I was able to spend the last three years building a substantial amount of muscle strength while losing fat, completely changing my body composition. And in some ways I would say, um, The hundred pounds that I lost to get me from, say, the two eighty three to a one uh, one eighty three, I feel like I actually look more different from weighing one eighty three to now one thirty eight with only a forty five pound difference. But because of all the focus I put towards protein, resistance training, progressive Amazing. overload, has really changed my body composition to such a different place. And I'm five five. I don't know what that is in centimeters, but it's a very average height for a typical female. So not short, not tall. And so it's a very, very comfortable place for me to be. So once I reached about 138 pounds, I was able to maintain that on around 2,700 calories. And that was something that I built up over time to be able to do that through my reverses and things like that. And I was able to maintain that weight for a full year. Um, before I then went into having reconstructive surgery, which Mm. is something that I planned for saved for, for a very long time. And so I had around two pounds of just extra skin removed from my lower abdomen because that's where I carried most of my weight. And if you see my before photo, you'll see that I tended to carry a lot of weight in kind of that lower belly region. Mm. So once I had lost that, I had a lot of skin elasticity, a lot of looseness there. That was very um it got in the way. It just mm. really did. And then after two years and nine months of breastfeeding and weight loss, I was never someone who had much of a chest either. So um, you know, I lost pretty much all of like my breast tissue. So I, you know, really didn't have anything there and they were lower than I'd like. So I went through and having a full tummy tuck, though my core was very strong. I did not need any help with musculature. So I had no diastasis recti, no need for any muscular intervention. I also had no liposuction. It was just pure skin removal. So they made an incision hip to hip. And the skin that is now on my abdomen, which you can see in my latest photo that I just took this week, um, the skin that is there from my abdomen is what was originally just above my belly button. Wow. So everything from my original belly button and down has been removed. And that was about one um, kilogram or two pounds of weight. Mm -hmm. And then, for my implants, I did get a breast augmentation. So I was given about 400 cc's on each side, which ends up equaling to the amount removed from my lower abdomen. So I almost had an equal swap. weight <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um yeah. and then I also had extra tissue removed there as well and them lifted and put where they're supposed to you know where they <laughs> yeah. would <they're> be <laughs> naturally and I'm, I'm um and so I went through this reconstructive surgery to celebrate everything that I had already done you know yeah. um And it was such an amazing experience to go through. And I would do it again in a heartbeat, even though the recovery is not simple. It's still a major surgery. Um, But also seeing my journey of recovery where I'm only 14 weeks post-op and I have all of my strength back and I feel completely normal just enhanced. Yeah. So just enhanced exactly where I had envisioned myself. So I don't have that extra on my lower abdomen anymore. That's in the way. Cause you know, just imagine having on yourself two whole pounds of just extra skin from your belly button down. I mean, yeah. it just, is, you know, it was so uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I get so many questions, you know, because I can take I, from the side, you couldn't really see it. And because I was so lean, you know, I'm very flat and I'm very modest. So I didn't want to like show it, you know, there's only yeah, so much I yeah. really want to show, you know, like to the world. Um, yeah. but it was there and it was something I dealt with. And if anybody ever asked me about it, I was always incredibly clear. Yes. I deal with loose skin. It is inevitable when you lose this amount of weight. I'm very lucky that on my legs and arms, I tend to, to not hold much weight there to begin with. So from mm. my, my trunk is where I lost. Most of it, you know, I was yeah. always, just a, not that I didn't carry weight in my legs and arms, but the the bulk of it. So yeah. my arms and legs kind of bounce back over time. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I just wanted to share all of that for someone who might be listening, who is like, Oh, what, what are they talking about? So, um, so post-surgery, you know, I'm 14 weeks post-op. And so I went through the journey of, you know, just having the surgery where I couldn't exercise for, you know, a while, but actually not as long as I thought. So yeah, I actually was several weeks ahead of the curve with um, recovery and what my doctor was ready for me to be able to come back to doing. And probably because you were so fit going into surgery. Yeah. Yeah. And, I highly recommend if anyone is wanting to do any type of reconstructive elective surgery that they're choosing to do, to not use it as something they do at the end of a fat loss phase and they're like, oh, this is my celebration for this, or to use it as um, a fix Mm. for weight loss um, Mm. or anything like that. Because if you don't already have your habits around you know, a comfortable amount of exercise or eating in a way that feels good to you, a comfortable amount of food, um, that you won't be nearly as successful. And it is a very expensive undergoing you have to take time off and you also have to go through it's not comfortable there is pain involved with it um you know when you're having major surgery so it's not something you want to go into thinking it's going to fix you want to yeah. already be on top of your habits your nutrition your training because then you just can get right back into it and if you're going into it healthy it's going to, you're going to heal so much faster. And so I actually use my nutrition the exact same way that I did when I was pre-operative where, um, post-op, I was like, you know, I have a lot of tissue to heal a lot of scars to heal all this fascia to real heal, reheal across my belly as stuff was stretched down like a curtain. Um, Mm -hmm. and my belly button was put in a new spot, which is wild, but so exciting. Um, (laughs) and, you know, all of that happened and that all has to heal. And that's going to heal through your protein, your fruits and vegetables, your micronutrients, you need all of that. And so I didn't restrict calories after my surgery. I still ate four to five meals a day, all of them with a minimum of 20 to 35 grams of protein per meal spaced out across the day. And I, you know, sat in a little crunched area, but every hour, like the doctor said, I got up to move around just a little bit to keep blood flow. Circulation, I approached my post op period the exact same way I approached any goal I had regarding my health and fitness.
0: Yeah, amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Every day I just did the maximum amount that I could. Yeah. And ate exactly what I knew I needed for my body. And some days, you know, just initially post op, the max amount that I could do was just standing up and walking around maybe one little circle every hour and going to the bathroom and back. And that's all I could do. And then, so that's yeah. what I did. And then it just progressed slowly from there.
0: Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. now so you mentioned that, you know, you had some key people that were really influential in your journey with regards to who you found on YouTube and who you used. Um, and obviously you share them on social media. Are you able just to share with us now for the listener, like who might not be familiar with these people, who it is that you found super helpful in your, um, in your journey?
1: Yeah, sure. And there's even maybe a few people that I don't necessarily mention on social media because I don't necessarily use their products currently, or Mm. maybe they just share podcasts, or they just have YouTube videos, and they don't necessarily use have programs or products that I currently use. But um, Coach Mark Carroll out of Australia Mm. has been fantastic. I started following him, and I want to say 2018 and. I learned through him so much regarding reverse dieting, getting stronger, proper progressive overload, repeating the same exercises, the same workouts multiple times, not always changing things up, but just getting stronger at the basics. And I continue to follow his programs and I've been following his programs when he first came out with his guides that he has now, now he has guides and challenges, but he's at coach Mark Carroll on Instagram and he has amazing um, video tutorials about proper technique and training as well as amazing, inspiring transformations of clients he's worked with. And um, I'm an ambassador for his um, programs because I've been using them for so long and they reached out to me, um, you know, and they just, yeah. So, cause I just love sharing, um, what I've received through that type of training. Um, the next is Lane Norton and Holly Baxter. They have amazing videos on YouTube. Um, and I use their coaching app called carbon diet coach, which Is a wonderful app for um, tracking macros, tracking your calories. And the coaching feature allows you to input your goal, your stats. And then week by week, when you check in with the virtual, like, you know, algorithm coach. Um, You input your information and then it'll give you updated suggestions based on your metabolism as Mm. you use it. And for me, one of the reasons I absolutely love it is, like I said earlier, with having a faster metabolism, me just going into a standard um, online calculator, I would have to put in my stats, but then put in that I had extreme activity and an athlete amount of exercise in order to even get close to the recommended maintenance calories for what I actually needed. Yeah, so whereas yeah. this app will change, will give you an initial recommendation, but as you use it, it will tailor it more and more as time goes on. So many of even my one-on-one coaching clients also use this app and we work with it synergistically, um, to help them with their goals and they love it. So awesome. that's something else that I've used. Um, and then a few other, um, you know, influenced, um, individuals on YouTube. I love Natasha Ocean She does a lot of wonderful science-based, um, stuff as well as like Jeff Nippard on YouTube, a lot of great science-based information around training. And then I love, and always listen to the iron culture podcast oh, with man. Omar East. Is- Omar Isof and then Eric Helms. So I always love that. So, and he's in New Zealand, so not too far from you. So I would say those are some of the people that I've really listened to a lot over the years and I've learned so much from, um, like the three DMJ podcast with that whole group. And so, you know, I tend to listen to a lot of, um, those types of things and always, um, sign on and then there's a few others that I listen to but as far as what has really um influenced how I think about food and training and then also like I'll hit up any podcast that has like Brett Contreras or Dr. Yeah. Bill Campbell which I think you might have interviewed yes 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 uh, Yeah. So I'll hit up podcasts that they have done and listen to them. And I, and then a lot of the people that they have influenced too, listening to people that have studied with them. So I've kind of just tried to tap myself into who I see doing the best work, the most, you know, education, the most, you know, good up-to-date information. Alan Aragon is another one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So just a lot of these wonderful folks who, um, they're not necessarily flashy all of them they're just you know putting out good good information it's not about fads, it's not about quick fixes, it's about just day in and day out, here are the practical things that you can do, and here and some of them you can kind of nerd and geek out on the more nuances of training and nutrition, or yeah. reaching your goals, whether you're needing a really big transformation, or you're just trying to, you know, get leaner and more jacked over time, so. Yeah,
0: no, that's amazing, and um, um, just before we get off the call, it's interesting hearing your um, teenage experience, because that's, exactly my teenage experience as well really? yeah like so very similar I'm a twin and and as we were growing up I was always the chunky twin and she was and i gained weight very easily and she was always very slim um and then I went through my first Rosemary Connolly's hip and thigh diet um I don't know if you've heard I've of that heard but, of
1: it, but no. yeah but, but it's I, essentially
0: you can imagine with a type of diet when I was about 14 to drastically lose like like probably 20 pounds, um, which on a teenager on a short sort of you know, quite a lot, um, but then continued to sort of just gain weight over time to a point where in my you know 20s. But this whole the protein thing, even as a nutritionist, the protein thing, the resistance training thing, this is really, this is like for me, that's that's really been solidified in that last three years, really. I've spent a lot of my professional career not being so aware of the importance of it because the messages that Lane and Holly and that put out, they haven't been as visible as the messages that you hear of eat less protein and and the sort of the vegan vegetarian thing's been very hot and strong, particularly it might be a New Zealand thing or a nutrition thing, but you know, it's always eat less, eat more, eat all your vegetables, but moderate your protein. So to discover that the power of protein even personally over the last few years has been amazing
1: oh yeah it is it that to me cuz i would say i did have a client a few years ago who hadn't seen me and then she said what are your top 3 things that you would recommend for and i go daily steps protein and resistance training and so that's oh, why yeah. i kind of keep saying that over and over again and when i say protein i also have to do the caveat of including fruits and vegetables because that's also incredibly important too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. One little thing I will say just to add on, um, I know we're not to take up too much of your time, but yeah, 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 um, But just because something that I will say that people notice with my food is I think sometimes people think that I eat a lot more higher processed food than I do because of like the, the hint of sprinkles they see or something like that. But one of the things that I want to demystify that you can eat those foods and still get results and you don't have to fear them, but I also, and I probably need to get it. This is something is a little something I can do on an update. Is notice I never eat them on their own. A hundred percent. Yeah. Never eat them on their own. It's never just that's the lone thing that I'm eating. I'm never eating just a Reese cup, an Oreo, a Kit Kat, a Pop Tart. It is always paired with a lean protein, a fruit and or vegetable, and plenty of water. Um, that it's just to enhance the flavor of my food. It's never, and to give it that little extra bit of yumminess, but not to trigger the feeling of overeating and something, maybe you'll have me back on a podcast another time, but to talk about, you know, trigger foods and things. I I definitely, you know, choose to eat the way that I eat purposefully and that I don't eat certain things by themselves. Cause it, because highly processed foods are so yummy, you never feel full from them. So though I have learned to include them in my diet and be very inclusive, I make sure to pair things in a certain way that way it's yummy, but not too yummy, but very filling high volume and satiating. So I'll just add that on.
0: I love that, and two things I will say because I know, like, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But one, I see that about your food, and I absolutely see the goodness in it, and I feel that the criticisms that you've shared, not and not, you, you know, you've just said, you know, well, some no one's been
1: like, no, it's even just like my own clients will go how it's just amazing. You're getting your results and you're eating that. And I'm like, well, yeah, I actually did the calculations yesterday in case it came up today. But I have an average of 6% of my daily calories comes from highly processed food and 94% comes from whole unprocessed. But really like if I average it out, I'd say, you know, 90, 10. So I've been on the higher end of that 80, 10, you know, 80, 20 or Kind of gal, so it's like, but you can make things look so decadent, and they really do taste decadent, but not decadent in the way that they still taste so wholesome. They actually make you feel good from eating it. That's a thing. You actually feel good. Like I got on this podcast fueled with my apples with cinnamon and my, you know, protein pancakes. You know, and some happiness on there. So. And Mel, are you currently taking clients or are you full? Like
0: what's your...
1: Yes, I'm currently currently available to take on clients. I also do online consultations as well. So if someone just wants to talk to me for an hour and book some time to um, go over whatever they're doing, whatever plan, and if they need help with just... Um, setting goals and, you know, creating more of a structured plan. Because one of the things I notice um, is that people try to do too much all at once. So helping to narrow someone's focus is something I'm really helpful at. Um, And then I am taking one-on-one online coaching clients. If it's the right fit, like I said, I send out a questionnaire and we kind of go back and forth for a little while to see if it's the right fit Um, or, and that's one of the reasons if I'm not available for one-on-one online coaching that I try to let people know about Coach Mark Carroll's programs, Carbon Diet Coach, if someone's interested in coaching themselves, as well as I have my e-cookbook that's available for people that I can email to them in a very low tech, just email style way. But that's all that information is on my website, Melanie Wales dash sustainable living. And then on Instagram, I'm at Melanie Wales dot sustainable living. Um, And so all of that. And I love, as far as clients go, I love working with people who are just excited to transform. They're ready to not beat themselves up about the process and they're just ready to go slow and just make these small changes, still eat delicious food, still enjoy their life, but really excited to start integrating just some training and a really balanced. And like I said, like sustainable living type of way, because I'm not about crash this quick that it's going to take time, but you're also really going to actually enjoy it this time. Yeah. Not that there's not going to be ups and downs and hard days. That is definitely going to happen, but then just to continue to move forward and to have these really simple, simple, practical steps they can do each day to get themselves in a good place and that they don't have to feel good just at the end of the transformation. Cause there really is no end, but that they can learn how to feel good along the way. Cause like I've said before, but I'll say here now too, is that honestly, after my first hundred pounds lost, I felt great. And everything after that has just been because I know how to do it and I'm enjoying the ride. So,
0: yeah. It's amazing. Mel, thank you. And I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat to me because I've just been, I've been loving following your journey. I found you at Carbon Diet Coach and then just started following you from there. And I just love seeing you continue to progress and you share your knowledge so well, and it's so accessible to so many people. Um, So it's been a real pleasure chatting. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. It's been an honor and I really appreciate the opportunity and just your ongoing support and friendship we have found over social media so that we can share each other on. I really appreciate it. Awesome.
0: All right team, hopefully you really enjoyed that. I just love hearing people's journeys and experiences and it really just makes me so thrilled for her that she's been able to achieve what she has and that she's able to share it with so many people next week on the podcast we go back to a bit of geeky science stuff and i had the opportunity to sit down with dom d'agostino who is like the og of the keto world despite the fact that obviously keto has been around for a lot longer than dom and we talk all things both science and practical on a ketogenic diet so Absolutely, if you're interested in this space at all from a research or a practical application perspective, make sure you tune in next week. And what I will actually mention, which I don't think I've mentioned before, is that if you are interested in protein powder, if you love clean lean protein, head over to New Zest website, www.newzest.co.nz. Pick yourself up a sweet little discount of 20% on any of the products with mickey 20 in the coupon code box that you get just before you click purchase so um that saves you a good ton of money and you also get products that you know that i like and if that's important to you this is a great opportunity until next week team you can catch me over on facebook at mickey willardin nutrition over on twitter and instagram at mickey willardin or on my website mickeywillardin.com where you can sign up to any one of my meal plans that I have for fat loss, for real food nutrition, athlete eating, sign up to the waitlist for the next Monday's Matter which will kick off late April, we've just finished this one this week just gone and I'm busy sort of preparing for the next round which I'm already excited about, I've had a bunch of recipes that I'm working on for that, or Book a one-on-one consultation with me and that's at mickeywillardin.com we will put all of those links in the show notes until next week team you have a fab week see you later